Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Murdula Srekanth, Business Head UX Research for People Design India. We talk about her academic experience in the early days of AI, as well as her extensive research experience in the technology space with companies such as SAP, Samsung, Oracle and People Design. We explore the process and challenges of doing local research in India for international clients. We cover what she values in a researcher and what are the benefits of hiring a social scientist. Lastly, we talk about the power of multidisciplinary teams and how to rapidly integrate a social scientist. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Human Show. Today, we are speaking to Merdula Srekant. Um, hope I said it correctly. <laughs> um, the, head of, the head of research for People Design. Hi, Merdula. Hi, Corina. <laughs> it's good to have you with us today. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> um, I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead uh, right into right, right into the um, the episode and ask you um, to tell a bit to me and also to our listeners about your path with um, this particular career. Actually speaking, I started off my education um, in engineering. I studied electrical engineering and uh, that was in India and then I went on to do my masters. This was in Germany in Masters in Information Technology, and that was my first exposure to human-computer interaction. So we had elective courses in HCI and a visiting faculty who was taking the course. So he was working at the German Research Institute for Artificial Intelligence, and that was my first exposure. And after the few electives, I decided to do my master thesis there at the institute. And after my master's, I worked there for two years. So my initial formative years was I was working on an AI project. So that was 2004. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was still early years of AI. And this was a project for Mr. Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft. So our institute was responsible for doing the usability part of the project and I was working on it. So they would be subject matter experts feeding data into the product and there would be students consuming the data. And I was trying helping to humanize it, humanize the technology by doing research on how we can make the experience better for both for data feeding as well as for data consumption. Yeah, so was that, that um, a kind of user experience design, what you were doing at the time? Um, it was usability. Mm -hmm. So the design was, so um, the entire project was being done across different organizations, each one being responsible for separate aspects. And our organization, the Research Center for Artificial Intelligence, we were responsible for the usability aspects part of it. So conducting research and mm -hmm. uh, validating with the actual end users, that would be students and subject matter experts. Got it. And after that, so that was my initial few years, couple of years where I was working on the research in, I mean, uh, it was not the tech industry. After that, all my experience has been in the tech industry. So I first started, I moved back to India and my first job in the tech industry was at SAP. And there I actually started as an interface designer. But I realized that 
my calling is towards research and that is what I'm good at. I, from SAP, I moved on to Samsung and from there to Oracle. SAP and Oracle, these are both ERP companies. So they make B2B products. And mm-hmm. that was my research experience at that time was conducting research with B2B audience and that product. Later on, I moved on. I currently head the research team at this UX consulting company in Bangalore, India, called as People Design. I've been here for over three years now. And the work here is very different from the other places that I was at. Mm-hmm. Here, the work that we do is mostly B2C. And we work with a lot of different international clients who are across the globe. Our work here is all technology related mm-hmm. and more specifically technology in India because all these international MNCs are interested to understand about India, particularly about India because India being such a huge country, a lot of different variations, a lot of different things which are there. So they are thinking of products specifically for the Indian market features specifically for the Indian audience and we are helping them to bring their products closer to the Indian audience. So when you're working with these large brands, they're also across different domains, which makes it both interesting and challenging. So one day we could be helping one of our clients to understand how to provide education to primary children in rural India. On another occasion, it could be we're helping a client who wants to understand how does the ecosystem of farmers work in India and Another client might be interested to understand how to make technology like a ride-hailing app accessible and usable to cab drivers who have low education. So as you can see, it's all different kinds of domains and different kinds of audiences and different challenges that each of these audiences have. So you never get bored, right? Absolutely not. Absolutely (laughs) not. That sounds fascinating. Um, How would you define the word insight? So insight for me is, it's a learning. It's understanding something. India is huge. I mean, to give you an example, India is huge, has many different languages. And what would you expect? One would expect that people know their native languages very well, can read and write comfortably, and would prefer that as their first first language of communication or for using any kind of applications on any kind of device. But we realize that's not true. When we were looking for one of our clients, when we were doing research, we were looking for people who use their phones in Hindi. And we tried for multiple days across multiple locations, across multiple states, and we realized that such a population does not exist. The recruitment criteria itself had to be changed. The reason why? So in spite of their basic native language being Hindi or any other language, and though they are not highly educated, they still use their smartphones, for example, in English. And the reason why, you would wonder why, and that's because they can't read their own native language either. They have the speaking capability. They would have learned how to speak the language well, but they don't know how to read and write. Whereas English, if all the boards, all the signage, everything is in English in India. So it's the mother of necessity. And so they have learned the basics. So that was a huge insight for us to know that it doesn't matter which socioeconomic class you come from, You may not be highly educated, but essentially, English is the base. So coming coming to that understanding, would would that this be something that would qualify as an insight? So this it was a insight to know that Mm -hmm. in the Indian population, even though people are not highly educated, they would still go with English and not their language. So that was an insight because that helped us later when 
we are talking to our client and when they want they come to us and they say we want to conduct research with people who use their phones in their native language we can go back to them and explain to yes. them that such an audience doesn't exist mm-hmm. and this is not the approach but yeah would be the target right target or target audience that we should look for mm-hmm. and and how would the process like that look look um in your company uh, that process of going out there understanding and then coming back and converting that understanding into something tangible so essentially i mean when there is a research work that needs to be done we all go out on the field and we are target audience the kind whatever um stage the product is and if you are looking at exploratory research then be it in rural india wherever we are we are doing the ethnography research we are going all over doing literally day in and day out research end of day debriefs are done we come back get back to our drawing boards there are posters all around <laughs> our office where we are trying to first initially put in data and then trying to uh, group them and identify patterns to see what kinds of patterns are emerging and where where do things fit in i mean what is the if you are looking for example for farmers what does their day in life look like how is the entire journey or what is there for um mm-hmm. their entire crop cycle how does that look like for example uh, because a day in life is very different for example when they are sowing something to uh, the time when later when it's actually time for harvesting so how does that look like everything identifying patterns um in that so essentially i mean um, the entire place is filled with posters and uh, it's very exciting when you are trying to identify patterns you are trying to see the linkages to see okay so what's the correlation because you have no expectation when you are going out on the field you don't know what's going to come out of it mm. you are just trying to gather all the information that you can at that point of time and later try to assimilate and see what are the patterns which are there mm-hmm. okay what what happens after the magic um, post uh, posted room moment after the posted room moment is when we identify okay so now we have these things mm-hmm. which are there with us we have identified okay what are the key insights which have come out of it and then comes the challenge of actually communicating it how do we communicate it with our clients mm-hmm. because we have been there we want them to feel the same way that we felt when we were on the field mm. we have the knowledge and our clients come from all across the globe they do not have the context so we want them to understand the entire context of the social context the technological context the emotional context of the user mm-hmm. and so our goal is then how can i transform this insight which these insights that we have gathered into actionable recommendations that would lead to a solution of a problem mm. how can these insights how can we create meaningful solutions to our users and there are people on the other side on the client side who have the knowledge and the skill how can we inspire them to create a solution mm-hmm. is there a process for it so empathy so we try to tell stories to communicate what we have learned on the field and so how we try to do that by using well edited videos to tell these stories so that immersion is delivered telling the voice of customer be in the form of quotes or and most importantly actually we ask our clients to participate in these research because mm-hmm. when they are involved is when you can relate you can also be a part of it and actually feel what is happening on the field yeah You are mentioning that a lot of these clients are not necessarily from India, right? 
That's right. So, so actually, 90% of our clients that we work with are all multinational companies. So then you have, I, I would assume you have a second um, interesting layer, which is their own culture that they come from, right? And their, um, their image that you, they have already formed of the Indian um, society and culture and habits. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we have had people who come to us and say, we want to conduct research in Indians. <laughs> so the okay. The, the is, and I'll be like, okay, so India is a huge country. There is no such thing as a language called as Indian. What, which part of India would you want to focus on? What is your problem statement? Are, do you have specific parts of the country you want to focus on? Specific languages you're interested in? So there are, a lot of them come as clueless as that because yes. they just assume that it's one country, so there's one language. And it's actually... Uh, interesting that even though Hindi is an official language in the southern part of India not many people know Hindi mm -hmm. so if, even if you want to conduct research in Hindi it's not easy to find people who speak Hindi mm -hmm. in the part I mean I'm in from Bangalore you will not find too many people who speak Hindi unless they are coming from the northern part of India so Indian southern states the people who speak the languages they are more fluent and comfortable in English but Hindi is probably something which they would have learned a little just watching movies but not a language which they can communicate in or even read and write. Yeah, but that would make it also, for example, easier for those that want to come with you and, um, and do observation to be able to do that, right? It uh, depends on the kind of population that they're looking at. A lot of our clients actually want to cater to the lower socioeconomic class and not particularly to people like me or uh, my peers because they believe that people like us, for them, a regular product application which is being built for the outside market would still suffice with small customization small localizations whereas which is true for the lower socioeconomic class they are absolutely clueless where they need completely different solutions and there you have to really think out of the box of what can be done mm -hmm. so would you say that them being from another culture facilitates the the process of generating empathy or does not have any connection to it at all so for them to be able to relate to things better, we definitely encourage them because there is no context at all. So when they come first time is when they realize how different this mm. country is, depending on which part of country you go to. You go to a state in northern Indi North India, you go to a Delhi and then you come to Bangalore, it's very different. So you cannot generalize, that's not possible. So when you're doing, even when you're doing research, we propose that you do it in a couple of different locations, a tier one city, tier two city, so that you at least you get some kind of variation and you try to understand a little more about uh, the different variants which are there. But definitely them coming, they get an idea of the reality, the ground reality, because it's very hard for people to understand. For example, if we say that electricity is a problem here, or for example, uh, when we are running sessions, they say if they are running sessions from home, why can't people share their videos? Because internet connectivity is a problem. Bandwidth is an issue. It's very hard for them to relate to people who have been from the Western countries where you have uninterrupted power always. There mm -hmm. is always uninterrupted uh, internet. There is no drought of these things. So it's very hard to imagine a situation like that where our phone network is constantly dropping to a 2G service and there isn't enough connectivity at that time to even look at a WhatsApp message, forget about a video call.
So when you come in the context is when you understand. I recall one incident uh, a few months back when a client from the US was visiting. First visit to India and fa- was fascinated to see, oh, there are cows on the road, right? So that's something which is, I mean, a everyday thing for us. We don't even think about it. It may not have any specific context for that particular research, but mm-hmm. if you are doing something specifically for India, I mean, if it's anything about traffic or a thing, then those are things. I mean, if you think of automated cars or something like that, you can imagine if there is cattle on the fee on the road, they are not going to go away just because. I mean, it's it's not intuitive for them. You cannot expect that the traffic will move automatically. So these are constraints which only when you see is when you can understand. Yes. So I would say definitely they should uh, clients being participating and being there when the research is happening is very critical. Gotcha. And do you have also clients that resist to this process of um, of understanding a different reality? Not resist as such. It's more ab- more because of I would say lack of knowledge. They don't understand that such a thing could exist. It also depends on the pop. on who is on the other side for example if it is researchers on the other side there is already empathy they understand but if you are working with other stakeholders like product managers then it's harder to convince them because they already come with a preset mind that i know who my audience is mm. i know what they want yes and, and that needs to change and normally which ones of the two you get when you work with these type of projects um could be anything it could be just researchers it could be just product managers it could be a mix of the two so all all kinds it could also be designers on the other side so um it's a mix there is no fixed pattern i remember i used to work for a multinational company before i transitioned to what i do right now and mm-hmm. when you're working in a global role and you're doing pieces of research that are localized especially as a as a product manager it's quite it's quite difficult to go deep into the that contextual reality especially if you don't have the time and some of these companies also require of you to normalize everything you know like to find right. a piece of insight or a piece of communication or a, something that is universally applied to every market right yeah and right. that that is i don't even know if it's it if it can be possible Yeah I I don't think a global thing is possible I mean for me a global thing being applied to India is very far fetched yeah even just in India itself having a yes. single solution doesn't work yes it being such a huge country so here itself we need lo- lots of customizations localizations changes I mean um, for example to give you an example surname surnames are something which is there in the northern part of India whereas in the southern part there's not much i mean for example my last name is my father's name i don't have a surname whereas if you're trying to open different kinds of accounts be it social media or different they ask you for your first name and your surname but you don't have one and it's not a common solution you can't get just for india there is no surname so let's remove surname because if you go to north part, northern part of india they they have surnames yeah Oh this this so, must be fascinating for a bank for example or for a public <laughs> right or for a <laughs> telephone company or <laughs> Yes continue why, please I mean, Yeah so because of that there is no drop of learning I mean a mm. lot of things are even new to us we uh, be, being brought up in large cities we know about how things work in the larger environment in larger cities but when it comes to when you go to a rural area things are so different that 
it's new to us it's surprising to us as well yes. i mean uh, i have faced like wow yeah. such a thing well it seems like a fascinating job to be honest and day to day job um i was wondering as in your role as a as a head of a team what would you value what would be the qualities that you would value in a researcher and why first and foremost is curiosity mm. i would say be as curious as you can because only when you're curious you ask the right questions and there's no right or wrong question you actually you just have to ask questions be curious ask the questions that is when the pieces of the puzzle fit together if it's just you have a set of questions you ask that that's all you get so i always try to encourage my team to ask the wise mm-hmm. and to question themselves about the wise next thing i would say critical thing is attention to detail get into the depth try to understand every small aspect leave no stones unturned i mean one should go back understanding a particular aspect to the smallest possible detail and then i would say empathy mm. to be able to communicate what one has experienced on the field to the client yeah. you have to work hard with a story yes um, what we have started doing recently is using virtual reality because that provides immersive experience to make it easier to tell stories and to communicate sounds like qualities everybody should have <laughs> um i i wanted to ask you so do you think this type of qualities are 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 associated with a specific uh discipline or with a specific way of learning or set of training or is just something that comes with um a specific personality i strongly feel it's a lot of personality because looking at my own experience i didn't go through any formal education i haven't studied research as such as a formal education but i as a person was very curious and then this role fit at very well but of course also people who have the formal education who have gone through it are probably who have recognized it much earlier and have decided to go through a formal education Mm-hmm. to understand the basics better and the process better so that as soon as they start in the industry they already um, have a good grasp so um do you have in your team uh, people that come from specific um fields of um education or uh, training so um i have a team of about 10 researchers and mm-hmm. it's a mix so i have people who have studied product design who have studied um jewelry design who have studied um, psychology who have studied uh, sociology mm. who have done their mbas um who have done their engineering and moved to these fields um so essentially from all different kinds of fields so there are social scientists there are people who have come from a design education and decided to move to research and people from a completely different background who eventually have learned mm-hmm. this is what i want to do and moved into this field yeah that is great that it's such a such a mix of of disciplines um absolutely yeah i i mean our show is mostly focused on understanding how social science apply um that specific type of training in in understanding behavior and applying it in the business sector so mm-hmm. i i would love to ask you what do you think from your experience working with social scientists and other type of people coming into this field what do so- social scientists bring um to the discipline so social scientists they are very good at understanding cultures and people so that is something which they bring to the table which mm-hmm. is they have the empathy and the ability to understand humans so that is a really strong thing that they come with which they bring with them when they are working in the tech industry 
So those are the differentiators because they come with that understanding of how to use empathy and how can they make use of that when they are applying different research methodologies they are on the field or when they are trying to communicate to the client. So those are really the positives that they come with. Do they come also with some challenges? Definitely. Uh, the biggest challenge that uh, I see is that they, when they come to work in the tech industry and they work as UX researchers, they lack the UX angle. Mm. So they do not understand that critical element um, of the UX part of it to become a UX researcher. And what happens is when you're working as a UX researcher, you are working with stakeholders on the other side, could be designers, could be product managers, and you have to have a strong knowledge of UX to be able to have a conversation with them sitting across the table. Mm. So they focus on the people outside. They also have to focus on the inside, that is the stakeholders, because they have to make them understand and try to communicate what they are trying, what they have in them to the stakeholders. Yeah. So, so how do you um, bridge that gap for that? How do you help them bridge that gap? So we provide in-house, when we bring these people over, we provide UX trainings in-house um, to, so that they get the basics of UX. And uh, by, and the uh, rest of the things are all on the job. So there are, as I mentioned, a mix of people who have the UX background. Some of them don't. So when you're working, once you get the basics of UX, you're working on other, pro when you're working on projects, we may, when you make recommendations, there are UX recommendations. You learn on the job. You see your seniors are providing recommendations. Then we expect them that they ask questions of why is it this way? And mm. um, one gets it better than the <laughs> other. Everyone's not the same. Yeah. But that's how we try to encourage them and try to bridge, bridge the gap. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean when you say the basics of UX? So to understand a user-centered design process, to understand the basics of interaction design, what, what does interaction design mean? What does information architecture mean? What are the basics of visual design? To be able to provide good recommendations because when we're doing, for example, evaluative studies and we are saying we are identify these are the 10 problem issues which are there we also provide recommendations we do not just say these are the issues but we also try to help our clients to say okay these are the issues and how can you resolve these issues what can be done but to provide these recommendations you have to have a solid understanding for example to say a call to action button is not at the right place to understand those terminologies yes. to say okay what is what does the call to action mean what does that mean? those basic principles if you say um, you're doing a audit UX audit then what are the Nielsen's guidelines how to do an audit yes. how to be able to identify the issues mm -hmm. gotcha so that that is kind of like them learning um, the language and the practices and the ways in which companies function right makes them more confident as well because when they are sitting across they can talk with more confidence and the, there's confidence on both sides when you're working with the client the client gets the confidence as well that okay they know their stuff and it's not that just going to do just research and they don't understand yes how can we use that data back into it because that's also critical like you cannot say that okay i've given you the data now you take and you do, do whatever you want yes. you have to help because there are there would be a lot of technology constraints um so all of those have to be bridged as well mm-hmm I gotcha. Did it ever happen to you to work with a social science from the client side? So when you work with researchers on the other side, there are people with um, social science education mm -hmm. there. But uh, because 
it's specific to a specific goals that we have there hasn't been any kind of a variation in terms of experience hasn't been difference i wouldn't say a person who has studied um a hci course or uh, someone who has studied anthropology and uh, or sociology there has been any kind of difference from for us being on the other side the kind yes. of experience that we have had mhm i got gotcha. you so at the end there is a there is a very strong power to be found in that multidisciplinarity right having them on the team next to other um types of disciplines to be able to to kind of help deliver a more complete product right absolutely that is great like when I mean, you must you must be doing a lot of like world translations you know like um from one type of world to another and it must be fascinating to see how they come together and understand each other's um points of view yes because even in a team of 10 each one's very different each each one comes with a different um strong point because of their previous backgrounds and their education so just yesterday actually we were sitting together internally here and thinking of how can we bridge the gap the thing of how can we make people who come from social science backgrounds and who haven't had exposure to ux what can we do how can we ramp them up better the current time is probably 6 months by the time they are able to uh, have sit across a client and be able to talk to them confidently can what can we do to reduce it and bring it make it make it 3 months for example so what was the conclusion so we we are currently thinking of providing so currently we don't have classroom trainings it's mm-hmm. all a lot of it is you give a initial training and it's on the job but we are thinking maybe we should formalize it a little more provide classroom trainings maybe 2 weeks 4 weeks where they get to understand a little more do hands on projects at that time before they start working on live plan projects and can start applying it um and for example i know that many of our speak my well, uh, sorry <laughs> Um I know that many of our listeners are either in the uh, academic field thinking about making a go for the business field or are actually studying um and making a choice between the two paths. Um what would you advise them to kind of um take into consideration when when making that choice? I would say that people who want to continue in the research side of things and uh, people who want to move to the industry um industry is more current in terms of the looking at the present and the immediate future and you're trying to bridge the gap and mm-hmm. improve the experiences whereas if you are interested um in doing something which is more in depth and probably something 10 years down the line and trying to uh, you want to understand that probably a little more time and dedication is required and that's where working in the role of a social scientist itself and not get into the tech industry because at the end of it if you are in the tech industry the primary goal is making money making profit right mm-hmm. no one would no one would want to wait for 10 years to launch a product because they want to do something they want to do it quickly so there are compromises which are done because you want so that you get your product or application out before your competitor does that Yes. But if you are some kind of a person who believes that no that time is not sufficient and I want to spend a few more years in that before mm-hmm. uh, I can understand the depth of it and get deeper into it then maybe tech is not the best industry to get into immediately then maybe you should still do a little more I don't know PhD postdoctoral research um mm-hmm. to get a stronger grasp on that when things 
get hot and then start de- get into the industry yes um what about a company that would consider maybe hiring social scientists uh, but they haven't done it before um what would you advise them to to think through or to start doing to make that transition a bit smoother um um as i mentioned i think the primary thing which is missing is the ux element so if mm. they can provide some kind of a training yes. uh, or or mentor mentorship if they have senior members in the on the team who are um, ux experts and can provide the mentoring i think that's the only element which is missing so all yes. the other aspects are already in place yeah so it be a smooth transition that's great um i have a question that might seem maybe a bit weird but um <laughs> i wanted to ask you about the traditional research space you know like um and the traditional research methods of doing um focus groups or um hiring out a panel or um, doing interviews kind of like in a more classic way what do you think about those methods in the context of the type of work that you do <coughs> so we actually do not do too many focus group discussions mm-hmm. we prefer to do a lot of one on one sessions um the reason being we feel that in a group what happens is there are people who dominate and there are voice of people which doesn't get heard at all so um and each one has a view so if given a choice when um, when there is an option we try to propose one on one sessions or paired interviews a friendship pairs work well again um a husband wife pair hasn't worked too well but mm-hmm. we would say a friendship pair works well one on one sessions or if you want to talk to multiple people at home then um visiting homes and doing in home interviews so for us a lot of our work is um either we are out in the field um in homes or in their con- in their environment or a lot of or the rest of it is one on one sessions lab based interviews one on one sessions um yeah mudra thank you so much for being with us today uh, i'd love to be able to talk more but we're a bit kind of like running um over our time limit here so um so yeah thank you thank you so much uh for everything and um hope uh to see you again Thank you so much thank you so much for giving me the opportunity it's been a privilege and really enjoyed the conversation the last 45 minutes Thank you for listening everyone follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speakers work Join us next time for more interesting conversations